Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The 11 to 1 Show. Feeling stressed? Well, hang up the washing. Apparently, everyday tasks could be the best way... Oh, yeah, I'm losing my religion on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. Oh, I was losing my mind. I was on Friday night. So I mentioned before I finished on Friday that I wanted to wish my amazing colleagues in LMFM all the best of luck as the IMRO Radio Awards were on. And I'd hit, I'd, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a serious case of FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, listen, on Friday... I was kind of gutted that I wasn't there, but sure, look, maybe next year. But I was like losing my mind because I kept checking the phone every five minutes. My husband was going, are you watching this film? Are you on that phone? And I said, well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear back from the guys who were in Kilkenny. And it just seems like ages. And I'm going, oh, my God, no one's messaging me about what's happening. And I kept annoying them going, come on, question mark, question mark. What's going on? But I was delighted to hear that we picked up two awards one bronze for a fantastic documentary what ha- whatever happened to Gertrude Page and also oh to my main man Jerry Kelly moment of the year oh listen that was fantastic and that I think they announced that one kind of towards the end so no wonder I was biting me nails and pacing the floor and going come on come on will someone tell me So I'm just thrilled, absolutely thrilled for the guys this morning. And there was celebrations. I saw the evidence of the celebrations, of course, all over Instagram to give me even more FOMO. But I'm thrilled and uh, we'll have great celebrations, no doubt, on the late lunch later on with Jerry and Louise. What a story that was as well. Really was just such an upsetting story. But, you know, the lady in question who spoke to Jerry was just, oh, incredible. She really was. So Jerry will have all the crack with that later on in the show. So we're on a high. We're on a high this morning. We really are. Plus, I'm sitting in a fantastic, newly revamped studio. Stunning. I'm surrounded by beauty here. So we've got lots of reasons to be cheerful this Monday morning. Now, if you are feeling a bit stressed, and it is Monday, I have something that can help. And it might be something that you might not expect. Details of that coming your way very shortly. First, it's back to the music. Here's Adele. There's Adele with hello. Oh, look, I'm going to have to say hello to Paul. He's on 0861 800 658. 
So the O'Reilly's versus Roach Emmett's yesterday in Clonagale. Oh, listen, I mean, never did I hear, think I'd see the day where I'd be talking about sport really on this show and never did I see the day that I would be fully invested in a Gaelic match. Oh my God. The nails were bitten down to the quick yesterday. It was quite the match. It really was. Versus the rallies versus the, uh, the Roaches. And Paul has been on saying, hey, don't forget, you know, to give a shout out to the Roaches and, uh, and the, all the celebrations. Yeah. Oh, look, they bet them. They did. And the reason that I'm, you know, a little bit more swayed now to the Arathli side is that uh, my little man plays with the Arathlis and my brother uh, was a, is a coach as well with the rally, so I'm a little bit more swayed to that side. And would you believe, Paul? There were tears. Oh my God! The kids were all bawling. They were bawling with the bitter disappointment yesterday, and I didn't know how to kind of, you know, try and explain to my son that this is what happens in matches. I think he thought that you know by his very presence being there that they were sure to win, you know. This is what happened yesterday. But what a match, to be fair. Roaches, you know, fair play to them. The Rallies, they gave away about five frees there towards the end. I mean, it was just absolutely nail-biting stuff. Nail-biting stuff. And yes, there is always next time. Thank you so much for reminding me of that bitter disappointment yesterday. Now, on the way, I've got music from Niall Horan, which should cheer you up. And... I've got some, you know, information for people who might be feeling stressed of a Monday morning. The 11 to 1 show. Feeling stressed this morning? Well, you could try, you know, deep breathing. (sighs) Or... You could do something else that's kind of useful, like hanging up the washing. Yeah, apparently doing everyday tasks is the best way to wind down, according to a new study. And 56% believe mundane jobs could be more relaxing than meditation. Oh, that's us told. Right, but also practising yoga. That is quite a popular way to, to unwind. However, the Dutch favour something called Nixon, the concept of doing nothing, which I can totally get on board with. But according to this study, everyday tasks could be the best way to wind down. So, you know, things like watering the plants, hanging out the washing, being the po- most popular stress busters. So a quarter of people surveyed by eBay uh, found that vacuuming was the most calming, while almost one in five... I said tinkering, oh, tinkering under the car bonnet was beneficial as well. A lot of people like to tinker under the car bonnet. Some 31% said found chopping herbs relaxing and the same number said they liked watering plants while 28% actually enjoyed hanging out the washing. Hmm. Perhaps surprisingly to anyone who has tried to assemble a chest of drawers from Ikea, just 6% said they could unwind by building flat pack furniture. Weirdos. As soon as I see a flat pack coming, I run a mile. Absolutely no way. But my fella is brilliant at this. And what he does is, you know, one of these people now who spends like probably about an hour looking at the instructions and then lays out everything, all the tools laid out and everything's laid out accordingly. And then the laborious project, prospect of a, a process of doing the actual task gets, you know, started eventually. Meanwhile, you're going, is that flipping wardrobe assembled yet? No, your man's still laying out his tools. But anyway, I am a fan, though, of an angry clean. Have you ever done an angry clean? You know, when you go home and you see absolutely everything piled up. So the laundry's piled sky high. The floors are filthy. Somebody's left the bathroom in an absolute mess and you just get the rubber gloves gloves on, you know, snap and 
Angry Clean. It's Angry Clean time. My mother used to be a fan of the Angry Clean as well, often on a Saturday and we used to just run a mile. Whenever you'd see her, you'd go, oh, she's got... It's the Saturday mood. It's the Saturday clean mood now. We better run or we're going to get a job. <laughs> That's what used to happen with us. But I have to say, Angry Cleaning is quite good. So if you're in a bad humour or if you spot somebody else in a bad humour in your house and you notice that there's things that need to be done, just get them a little bit more riled up and they might start angry cleaning and things might actually get done. That's a helpful tip. But there you go. If you're feeling stressed this Monday, you know what to do. Hang up the washing. There's Niall Horan with Heaven on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, if you are on the lookout for a new hobby and maybe you're in the Navin area, the Navin Male Voice Choir would like to hear from new members. So they were founded by Navin native Richard Brady and the choir has performed throughout Ireland and also in the UK, France and Germany. They were part of a flash mob as well that gathered to sing on Suicide Prevention Day in Houston Station in Dublin, littering stopping, literally stopping the human traffic at the time and they've sung at the Dawn Chorus at the Hill of Tara as well and they've made countless appearances over the years on RTE TV and radio as well as the National Concert Hall as well and new members are always warmly welcomed and can simply turn up on any Tuesday evening so they practice at 8pm in the Active Retirement Room in Navan Community Centre Alternatively if you want to find out more you want to give them a call you can contact the Secretary John Kelly so he's on 87 Eight two one three oh seven five. So that's oh eight seven eight two one three oh seven five. Or he's on email John G P Kelly at gmail.com. So John G P Kelly at gmail.com. So nice thing to be doing as well. Singing does definitely improve the mental health. And we're going to be chatting a lot about mental health on the show over the next couple of weeks. We're launching just a new series with Melissa Moore. She's a play therapist from Delik. So we're going to be chatting to her every Monday for the next couple of Mondays on children and mental health. But tomorrow as well is World Mental Health Day and we'll be chatting about ways that you can, you know, improve your mental health and keep an eye on your mental health. What better way than singing? And Navin Male Voice Choir are looking for you. So Tuesday evenings, 8pm in the Active Retirement Room in Navin Community Centre. There's Walking on Cars with Speeding Cars. Now it was Miss Peacock in the library with the candlestick. Or perhaps it was Professor Plum in the kitchen with the dagger. Yeah, if you're a fan of murder mystery, then we have the perfect event for you this Christmas time. We're going to be chatting to writer Fiona Sherlock. She is from Becht of County Meath and she's created this murder mystery at Christmas. Murder in a sigh. We're going to chat to her next. The 11 to 1 show. Are you a murder mystery fan? Well, how do you fancy doing some sleuthing this Christmas? Murder in a Sigh, it's a captivating whodunit event and it's coming to Belinter House this December and promises to be an unforgettable evening that combines suspense, intrigue and festive cheer. Local crime writer Fiona Sherlock is behind the event and I'm delighted to have her on the line with me once again. Good morning, Fiona. Hi, Sinead. Happy to be here talking all things mysterious. Oh, no better woman for this now because, you know, nothing says Christmas than a little murder, Fiona. This is quite a different event that you're organising. It is. Uh, There is always that that fondness for murder mysteries at Christmas time. 
Um, it's something about everybody being in, in close quarters with one another mm-hmm. that a lot of tensions can flare. But look, what we're trying to achieve here is to create a really unusual, unique mystery event. So it's like stepping into a Poirot movie. Um, it is uh, the uh, we've chosen Belinda House because look, it's a beautiful venue. Um, it, it just really at Christmas time, it, the decor is so spectacular that it's really something very different for from the everyday or even from the ordinary sort of Christmas party. So really hoping to make it a very immersive experience. There'll be actors there. We've got a great storyline there, very gripping for people to try and get to the bottom of. Uh, so hopefully it's going to be a great night. Oh, and the location, as you say, it's absolutely stunning. Like that is like giving you vibes. It's like something out of, you know, glass, onion or knives out or something like that, that location. It's an escapism. You know, yeah. people like murder mysteries because they tend to be in beautiful venues or unique venues that have a real story behind them. Uh, and Belinda was just a really obvious choice for this one. Yeah, no, totally is. Now, you're a big fan of the whodunit type of story. I've no doubt this is going to be a great event. You teased us there a little bit so we can expect actors. But are we, could we potentially, if we buy tickets, could one of our group be the actual murder suspect? Well, one of the group can certainly be involved and considered as a strong suspect. And that's one one little quirk I I put into it so that if if people come together at the table. So I've got groups of book clubs and a couple of companies and some individual couples coming as well and families. Um, But that you can actually nominate somebody who you want to kind of put forward as a potential suspect. But everybody's going to be able to play the detective. Everyone's going to have a little interrogation guide that they can quiz one another whilst also enjoying the action that the actors will bring. Oh, fantastic. And this is sort of, you've done the uh, games in terms of you've, you've sold these as products for people to actually do at home at Christmas time. You know, do the, it's an alternative to the Monopoly, I suppose, and things like that. And they've actually been played in some very unique locations, Fiona. Yes, yeah, so I've been creating the Merge Mystery Games for about five years now and I sell the ready-made kits for people to, you know, to host their own parties at home for kids' parties or Halloween or whatever. But I have also worked with a couple of very interesting private clients to create and write very customised, unique games for a couple of celebrities and uh, and that, that allowed me to work uh, my imagination within very unique venues like uh, casinos in Las Vegas. Amazing. Too private yachts in, in, in the Adriatic Sea and the, the loveliest townhouses in Mayfair. So I really wanted to, I, I really enjoyed seeing those events come together, you know, elsewhere. And I thought it, the time was just right. You know, people are back into kind of party mode, event mm-hmm. mode. The time was right to really put something very special together for people in need. That's fantastic. And it's great to see celebrities tapping into this because no doubt they're probably bored with all the usual types of events, Fiona. This has given them something extremely unique and they can kind of entertain their friends with something like this, which is fantastic. Now, with a name like Sherlock, it's like you were destined to be writing murder, mystery and crime. But where does your love of this particular genre actually come from? Yeah, this is a question I get asked a lot <laughs> uh, about the, the nominative determinism. Um, I, I do think maybe I just tuned into reading Sherlock Holmes detective books when I was younger. But, you know, I've always really enjoyed um, reading and writing anything. I've always felt a very close affinity with the early part of the 20th century, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, which is essentially the golden 
the golden age of of crime and mystery. Um, and I suppose I would sort of think I have a, a mathematical mind as well, so the idea of being able to plot out uh, suspects and motives and means, opportunity, and and I suppose the, the mathematical side of it as well. It just really, I, I find every time I write a new book or I write a new game that it's a challenge to try and make something unique and something different. Oh, completely. And, and you know, for something like this, uh, you know, you've said it around, um, this is your, your latest book, Supper for Six. I have to chat to you about this because, as you mentioned there, you're not just writing the games, you're writing novels as well. And this latest novel is going to be released very soon. But I, what I love about this is you've set it around a podcast and what's that's a very clever narrative um, device because a lot of us are very sort of tuned into podcasting and particularly true crime podcasts. Yeah, I mean, there's something about that human psyche where we want to hear or want to think about the darker side of life. We all live pretty sanitised, safe, secure lives, more or less, these days. Not like the cavemen days where it was uh, a lot more brutal. And I think there's still something in that, you know, human psyche who kind of crave crave that darker side of things. Um, Writing Supper for Six as a podcast it's my third book, but it was my typical, you know, difficult second novel. Mm. Second album syndrome there. Yes. I went through about five or six different edits on it and just it, things weren't sitting right with it. And so really had to push through a creative wall there. But by the time we got to the fourth edit, I said, you know, this is a podcast. Um, and there was an amazing cast of actors for, for the previous book, 12 Motives for Merger, that worked really well as an audio book. So that's where I wanted to take it. Uh, take it one step further to go into a podcast. And, you know, it takes a very long time um, to create true crime podcasts. There's a huge amount of detective work uh, and investigation. And I have so much uh, appreciation for the team who create the likes of those true, time, yeah. true crime podcasts. And, you know, the fictional, it's a way to get into, uh, to create a story with, with just, I suppose, in a, in a different way. But that's not bound by time and reality and truth and facts and things like that. And, you know, oral storytelling is the oldest form of storytelling. Of course, yeah. Um, so podcasts, they're sort of a new thing, but they're not really because it's, it's, that's how we told stories before. Um, and I think that also kind of feeds into that appeal, the connection of, you know, just like the radio, people keep the radio on for company sometimes, yeah. the same as myself when I'm trying to tidy away and just stick it on. And uh, that podcast, there is that human interaction with, with audio um, that I think appeals to people. But it wasn't without technical challenges oh, to write a see. book. Um, <laughs> to write a book that you have to cater to a reader who has the paperback in their hand and, you know, a listener who's going to be listening on audio book. But, um, you know, I have a great team of my publishers um, behind me with Hodder and a great audio team and a great editor. So it's come together into something I'm really excited about. So that's that's out on the 19th of October, um, Thursday week. And I'll be launching that in Eaton to Navin. So if anybody would like to come along and have a glass of wine. Oh, yes. That's at six o'clock um, on Thursday week. Um, and then anybody who, who doesn't like parties and the thoughts of going to a ball or a... The 11 to 1 show. Oh my goodness me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm 
Yes, Monday morning gremlins. That's what I'm going to put that down to. Plus, we're talking about murder mystery, so it's all very intriguing as to why that happened. But Fiona Sherlock is on the line. Fiona, I do apologise for that technical difficulty there. We were talking about supper for six. Um, so tell me a little bit then about the about the plot of this then. Uh, yeah, there's always a plot twist, isn't there? Yes. That was our little plot twist this morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, the the plot twist, or the, the plot uh, in Supper for Six, so we have Elizabeth Chalice, the detective who appeared in 12 Motives for Murder, is yes. back. It's 20 years later. It's 1977. We're now in Mayfair in London in the house of an aristocrat with uh, with Irish links. Um, so the guests have all been invited uh, to this very unusual dinner party by the reclusive lady, Sybil Anderson. Uh, they don't realise anyone else has been invited. And that's really just the start of things that tend to go wrong that evening. Um, there are some issues with the electricity. Mm-hmm. There are some problems with with uh, communication between the, different, uh, between the different suspects. And then, of course, when the lights go out, there's a body discovered. <gasps> oh, listen, you've got all the great ingredients there. I'm loving the elusive, uh, reclusive uh, aristocrat lady. That sounds very intriguing. Where do you come up with these characters? Because they're always really compelling people that you have at the centre of these stories. Somebody once told me that writers are a little bit like cannibals. Okay. That we nibble, nibble away at different noses, characteristics, hairstyles. Um, from fictional characters, from historical characters, from people that you meet in your everyday life. So I think it's really a case of osmosis. Uh, but a, a good character has a clear need and a clear want. They tend not to be the same thing. Um, they have some sort of challenge or obstacle to overcome. And they have their own backstory that they have to come to a place of redemption. And sometimes they make it there and sometimes they don't. Um, so that's, I suppose, my creative process is to try and uh, line up the requirements of a good character, the technical requirements with uh, unusual, unusual uh, characteristics. Yeah, no, completely. And, you know, this one, like all the others, is going to keep us guessing as to kind of who done it. But do you know yourself who did it, did it uh, when you start writing or is that something that changes and evolves as you write? Um, it has been a journey for me in terms of how I plot and plan a book. In the early days when I was writing my first book, I went totally by the seat of my pants. They call it being a panther in the writing world. <laughs> um, and there, it's good. It's great because the writing stays very alive and the story can take you to places you didn't expect. But it can mean that there's a lot of editing in the end. So over time, I have become more of a plotter. Um, but I still like to uh, allow a certain amount of freedom to the story so that I might know exactly how it happened. Mm. Um but for Supper for Six, I, I tried to be disciplined with myself and I did have uh, the means, the motive, the killer all planned out at the start. But it left a lot of room for twists and turns in between that I wouldn't necessarily see coming. And for me, that's quite important because it keeps yeah. the writing alive. If every, you know, some people are very minute planners and will have every single thing um, written down in advance. For me, that sort of w- makes the writing a little bit wooden. Mm. Um, so I, I am somewhere between a panther and a plotter. <laughs> I love that, a panther and a plotter. Now, you are hoping, as you say, uh, October 19th it's going to be released. People can pre-order now, though, from local shops, yeah? They can indeed. And, and pre-ordering is actually really helpful to authors, especially, uh, you know, I suppose, 
um, emerging authors because mm-hmm. it gives the signals to everybody that okay like people are interested here so uh, Antonia's bookstore in Trim Antonia and the gang there have been absolutely amazingly supportive to me over the last few years so uh, I definitely would encourage pre-ordering there um, yep. it's also going to be stocked in Eaton's and Navin and Old Coffee Shop in Navin as well so people can get their, their copies there um, but if anyone's free on the 19th um, mm-hmm. to come along for a glass of wine, it's lovely to be able to have in-person events again. So we'd love to see you there. And whereabouts is that one ha- happening again on the 19th? That's in Easton in Navin Shopping Centre. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, the best of luck with the book. And if no doubt places are going to fill up as well for Murder in a Sigh, people can do that by emailing you. So it's fionamsherlock at gmail.com if you want to get tickets for that event on the 1st of December. But for now, Fiona, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Sinead. And I just wanted to say yep. I'm going to launch a competition for two to win two tickets this morning on oh, my Instagram page. Fantastic, yeah. Um, so they're worth €120 Euro each and include everything from your meal, your welcome drinks, DJ dancing to late, everything that's, uh, and a character pack as well. So if anyone wants to head over to Instagram, I'm about to kick that competition off this morning. Fantastic. And you're Fiona Sherlock as well on Instagram, aren't you? That's it. Yeah, That's perfect. It. That's a lovely uh, competition to, to have as well. Thank you so much, Fiona Sherlock there. If you want to get more information, as she says, Instagram page, you could be winning tickets there. Nice night out. Or Fiona M. Sherlock at gmail.com. There's the Eagles taking it easy on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, did you know that beer goes all the way back to the ancient Egyptians? And today is a very special day celebrating beer and pizza. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 77 Going back to this day in 2017 in the Me Too movement, producer Harvey Weinstein is fired from the company after allegations of sexual abuse. And today is beer and pizza day. The foamy head on top of a glass of amber Colour Joy seems to be tailor-made to go with the rich and cheesy texture of your favourite treats, pizza. And apparently the ancient Egyptians included beer in every level of their food chain. It was their favourite drink, uh, particularly the guys building the pyramids, as it gave them calories and protein needed to make it through the hard work days. Pizza, on the other hand, apparently goes back to 997 AD in Italy. Though, of course, they didn't have any tomato sauce on it, apparently, back then. But there you go. So today is beer and pizza day. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. There's a couple of angry cleaners out there in the Northeast. 086-1800-658 coming in from Christine. She says, for hire, one ratty little man currently cleaning my fridge. He's angry and ratty. But he's cleaning the fridge, so success, you know what I mean? Uh, Still to come on the show, anxiety, low self-esteem, just some of the issues affecting our children. Play therapist um, Melissa Moore is going to be shining a light on our kids' mental health. That's all coming up after 12. The 11 to 1 show. Louthan Meath take home some awards at the Tidy Town Awards over the weekend. More on that after the weekend. The weekend on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. And over the weekend, the Tidy Town Awards took place and Meath and Louth did quite well. Now, Abbey Leaks in Leash was announced as Ireland's tidiest town, but Black Rock 
has retained its title as County Loud's tidiest town, which is fantastic. And also, it just beat Talent Town into second place and Dramiskin in third. And uh, Blackrock was also named as a runner-up for the title of Ireland's tidiest small towns as well. So Abbey Leaks just got in there. Also, County Medal winners uh, Blackrock, Dundalk and Drada all retained their gold medals as well. And uh, Talent Town and Carlingford retained their bronze medals, which was fantastic. And in Mead... Uh, met two Meads towns picking up medals for the first time were Dunshockland and Enfield. They received bronze medals, uh, which was fantastic. And they had also gold medal holders, Trim and Minolte and silver medal holder as well at the boy. And Betty's Town was uh, highly commended for a Waters and Community Award. And Gorman's Town won an Endeavour Award as well. So fantastic success in the tidy towns, which is great to see because these people who volunteer and clean up in our communities they are just fantastic they really are and they work tirelessly to make sure that everywhere is looking its best so well done to all involved in that now time to check in with the world of celebrity The Buzz on LMFM keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app Hi I'm Max the audience corrected an interviewer who mispronounced Issa Rae's name during their discussion at CultureCon here's how the interaction went it's pretty incredible. Um, you guys know a lot about this array for all the work that she's done. Autumn Variations by Ed Sheeran debuted at number four on the Billboard 200 with 62,000 units sold. It's become his seventh top 10 album. Big Brother launched on Virgin Media One last night. The new series is hosted by AJ Adudu and Will Best. Just before the show aired, they posted this video online. We are so excited to see what all our amazing housemates get up to over this series. It's going to be ups and downs and twists and turns. It's going to be great. It is going to be so, so good. But please do remember that all of our housemates are real people with their real lives. If you wouldn't say anything to them in person, please watch out what you say to them online. Absolutely. We all just want to be fair and kind to everybody and that way we can all enjoy the series together and we can support our housemates on the show and beyond absolutely let's make this the most positive series yet and give all of the housemates the respect that you would wish for if you were a housemate too is that a deal deal that's the buzz i'm max the buzz on lmfm keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the lmfm app yeah so important look after the mental health of the housemates in big brother it's come a long way that show has to be said not really watching it though i might tune in used to love it back in the day anyway back to the music here's fine young cannibals Now, October marks World Mental Health Awareness Month and we are going to be shining a light on the issue of children's mental health on the show over the next few weeks with accredited play therapist. She's based in Delique, Melissa Moore. We're going to chat to her next. The 11 to 1 show. 
October marks World Mental Health Awareness Month and my next guest is hoping to shine a light on the issue of children's mental health for the next few weeks on the show. There's been a significant increase in the amount of children needing support to manage anxiety and other mental health issues and she's noticed this through her work as a social care leader and accredited play therapist. So we're going to highlight some of the main issues and offer advice for parents on how to manage some of the challenges children are facing. I'm delighted to have Melissa Moore, play therapist from MySpace Play Therapy in Delique with me in studio. You're very welcome. Thanks Sinead for having me. Great to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself first of all because you have well over 25 years at mm. this stage uh, in the in the business working with children who have emotional, behavioural difficulties. Give us a little bit of background on yourself. So I suppose, um, yes, I'm an accredited play therapist and I've been working with children from the age of about three and a half right up into the early teens, into the late teens, um, but also working with their parents as well who present with anything kind of emotional based or behavioural based. So typical referrals might be anxiety, separation anxiety, general anxiety, children maybe with low self-esteem, might be struggling with social skills, might have gone through difficult events like bereavements or parents might be divorced or separated. So really anything like that I work with. Um, And I suppose coinciding with that, then I'll also work with those parents. But you do not need to have a child coming to play therapy to avail of parent support either. I think that's important to say because especially in this day and age, you know, um, there are a lot of financial barriers, I suppose, to parents. Yeah. Um, but also working with with companies who are really proactive in getting somebody in or something in a webinar um, for their staff who are parents um, just doing little kind of half hour to quarter of an hour webinars with them around anything parenting. Any oh, that's parenting really useful. Topics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So things like managing anxiety or managing those big feelings and behaviours at home. Um, yeah, so all that kind of thing. Um, lots, lots of different things going on. I run parenting groups, parenting courses for parents as well. One starting next week. Um, yeah, so that that's me. I'm also a mother of three. That's yes. really important to say. <laughs> that's really important to say as well. And what we should say with all of this, and as I mentioned in the introduction, accredited. You yeah. are accredited. You have spent an awful lot of time working and studying to get to this stage. And recently you've noticed quite a worrying trend online with people who may not have spent years studying. Yes, yes, um, there are. And I was listening to Coleman Nocter. Many of you know him. Last week he quoted a really scary statistic and he said that 87% of people on social media who claim to be mental health advocates actually didn't have any qualifications to the name whatsoever, right. which is really, really frightening because we're taking advice from people who claim to be something, but really they don't have the, the education for one and they don't have the experience. Um, yeah, so that definitely there there is a growing trend and probably more so since COVID. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, genuine people out there, you know, trying to help people with genuine qualifications and interests. But I think it's really important for parents to ask the questions when they're, you know, when they're seeking support, because it's very difficult for a parent to lift the phone and ask for help in the first instance. But to be duped by somebody is horrendous. And I have had parents sitting with me who have gone to somebody thinking they were going to get, you know, the best intervention for their child. And actually, it turned out that that person wasn't qualified. And that's been more than once or twice I've had that. Right, OK, that's very concerning. Yeah. And as you say, 87% is a whopping amount of of people to be on there spouting, I suppose, on Instagram and not actually having the qualifications or the experience to back this up. So really, people need to do their research and investigation if they are reaching out for help and support. Absolutely. And I would really encourage parents to ask whoever that therapist is, 
What's your qualifications? Mm. What's your experience? Are you experienced to deal with the topic or the issue that I'm coming to you with? Um, and things like, are you, are you vetted? Are you guard a vetted? Yeah. And unfortunately, play therapists and a lot of our therapists and counsellors aren't currently regulated by CORO, where every up every organisation in the country is fighting and trying to push it and get it moving quicker. But it means that anybody can go outside and stick a plaque outside their hall door or their, their place of work and claim to be a particular type of therapist or counsellor. So I would suggest if parents or adults even are looking for a therapist that they go on to the relevant registers mm-hmm. and make sure that the therapist that you're attending or, or you're planning to see is on that register. For play therapists, there are, there's Play Therapy Ireland, there's IPTCA, there's um, IAPTP and there's IPTA. And I hope I haven't forgotten any. Um, but everybody who's on them has to meet a, fair, a fairly stringent standard. They need to do continuous professional development. So they need to upskill each year. Mm-hmm. They also need to have regular supervision. So, so for me, I'm supervised by another therapist to make sure that my work is up to standard. Um, and the majority of us need to go for personal therapy as well. Okay, of course, yeah. On top Big of part that, of it, yeah. yeah. And obviously have the guard of vetting and the insurance and all of that. Um, so that's really, really important that, that people ask those questions. Yeah, and don't be shy about doing no. it as well. Absolutely not. And anyone that is a, an accredited or registered therapist is going to have absolutely no qualms about saying, yes, I have this, that, the other in terms of qualifications. So that's really, really important. So talk to me about the increase. Have you, You've noticed an increase in the amount of uh, children that are presenting to you with anxiety and, and mental health issues. Can we say this is a product of COVID or what are you sort of experiencing with people in therapy? Um, in my my practice, I've always had a high level of children that come with anxiety. It has definitely exploded since COVID. Um, I would, uh, my feeling on it is that COVID has had a huge hand to play in that. Um, you know, we've had children kind of not socialising, mm. you know, falling behind academically, then not wanting to go to school because of all of those issues. Um and fear of leaving parents as well. Separation anxiety has has hugely grown. Right. Yeah. And I would say that whilst I always had children come with anxiety, it, I suppose you, you've seen the turnaround much quicker in them. The level of anxiety, I suppose, seems to be a lot more now mm-hmm. um, and, and is, is longer lasting. Parents aren't reaching out as, as quickly as what they used to be. Um, and look, that's that's just a sign of the times in yeah. terms of finances and stuff now as well. Um, and waiting lists, you know, yes, of course. there's a lot of obstacles there. But definitely, I would say that the COVID has definitely had a hand to play in it. Um, and I think the children that are starting school this year are only kind of, I think they might have been the first year that didn't have COVID. Yes. You know, so they're yes. only kind of starting to come through now. Um, so, yeah, so definitely, I mean, things like self-esteem, mm. things like social skills, anxiety, all of those kind of things where you're interacting with other people are probably the most common referrals now. Whereas I wouldn't have seen that many children come through prior to COVID with low self-esteem or definitely social skills. Yeah. Wouldn't have been an issue. Big time. And I even see with the with the kids that I see even in the estate with my little fella, like even how they interact with each other is very, it can be quite strange how they interact with each other. And that's probably down to having to keep the distance. And a lot of them, those kids, it was those crucial early years in the likes of their Montessori time and everything. So they're, they're, they, 
they feel very strange around each other, I, I think, just from even observing them. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've missed those crucial stages of development, you know, and often children have to regress and mm. go back to the stages that they missed to work through them before they, they get a handle on them, I suppose. And a lot of those smaller children have missed those. I mean, you 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 nailed it there in terms of Montessori and crash and even when they were going in, they were in their little bubbles and, you know, there was a lot of kind of, um, there was a lot of boundaries put in place around that. Um, so, yeah, so definitely, you know, um, but the, I mean, the good thing is that it can be absolutely corrected. Okay, you know? this yeah. is this is what we're going to yeah. talk about. Absolutely. Uh, but before we do, do you know, do you find that there's was there's a huge conversation around mental health in general? There's not enough conversation around highlighting children and what they're going through. I think a lot of it, a lot of the emphasis is on, I suppose, adults. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, I suppose in the northeast, there has been a lot of, you know, sad cases and there's been a lot of deaths. Um, and I think that's kind of where the onus has gone. I suppose in the recent year, there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of scandals, I suppose, in terms yeah. of children's mental health as well around the country. And we're only kind of starting to highlight those things. And, you know, the Mental Health Commission had a report there recently in terms of CAMS and things. So mm. all of those topics are definitely getting the light much more on children. But I suppose for me, there's a preventative piece there. You know, yeah. if we can catch children that have difficulties and struggles when they're younger, and all the research will back this up, we prevent the trouble coming down the road. You know, and when they're in their teens and when they're adulthood, if we put in those supports when they're much, much younger, then it's much more likely that those particular children aren't going to have mental health struggles or difficulties later on in life. And and what would be the signs then for a parent to sort of pick up on if we notice a shift or a change in, in our kids? Like, I'll give you an example, even in, in our own life. Like when you mentioned regression there, I noticed that my son is going back watching quite babyish things on television, things that he used to love, say, when he was two, three. Is that like a comfort blanket thing or could that be something that's a little flag maybe that I need to watch out for? It can be. It just depends mm. what that. That's a really, really tiny snippet of, yeah. of the bigger picture, I suppose. Yeah. So it's about looking at the whole picture, really. You know, um, but they they can be little things. I mean, look, we all go back to things that we used to love, or we might have, you know, watched a series on Netflix and loved it and haven't seen it for years, and we go back and rewatch it. You know, yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much yeah. to, into it either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about. It's not looking at one little tiny thing. I suppose there's, there's there's a whole lot. It's like a jigsaw piece. Yes. In, within a big puzzle, you have to look at the puzzle as opposed to the piece. But things like, you know, suddenly not wanting to go to school or suddenly not wanting to go to their, you know, their dancing that they used to love going to or going out with their friends a little bit more, a bit, little bit less um, or maybe kind of a bit negative towards themselves. Mm. You know, um, a bit of perfectionist. So being hard on themselves or making negative talk towards themselves Um T- more tearful okay maybe changing diet or in food or maybe eating more eating less or not sleeping great or those kind of things um being a little bit more clingy to you maybe sometimes depend and that will depend on age as well you know okay so sometimes that can be quite natural and normal um sleep difficulties mm. yeah so all of those things can be a little insight i suppose into what's going on and just because there's, you know, you might notice something like that, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean there's something wrong or there's something up. But I suppose it's about, as a parent, being curious about that. Yes. And asking the questions, you know, and digging a little bit. And I would say, like, any of our children's behaviour 
is trying to get a message across to us. Mm-hmm. They don't have the language or the ability to be able to say, Mammy, will you stop what you're doing? I have to tell you something. Do you know, that, that only kind of comes later on and kind of in the tweens. Yes. Um, they start kind of grasping that. So every time there's a behaviour, there's something being communicated underneath that. So it's kind of like the iceberg analogy, you know, if you, yes. if you think of it. There's about a third of the iceberg is above the water and the other two thirds is underneath. So of course, we need to ex- explore and see what's yeah, going on. Now, yeah. dinner time in our house, I am very sort of strict about everybody being at the table and there's no screens and all that kind of thing. And we, I, I love that. I love that mm. time in the day. The family sort of getting together as much as we possibly can. I find that that's a good time to kind of go, so, you know, what's going on in school yeah. or... It, so it's not kind of putting them on the spot and challenging them into, you know, revealing something. Is something like that a, a better way to kind of get more information out of them? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if you, you're going to sit a child down opposite the table and you say, right, what's what happened today? What's going on? Yeah. They're likely to clam up and you're not going to get to anything, regardless of whether it's been good or bad or indifferent. It doesn't matter. Those more casual scenarios the dinner table is a lovely one. Driving in the car. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, yeah. That's They don't even have to, you know, there's, there's no eye contact there. Mm. So that would probably be, that's probably the most effective place, to, actually, in my experience, to have those conversations or, you know, just going for a walk or, you know, going to the shop, something really casual. They're the times for the for the conversations to kind of, they naturally occur, really. Like, yes, yes. Um, but it is important, definitely. That, you know, and I think that dinner time, family dinner time is something that's kind of, Slipping, maybe. Oh yeah, you know, in Irish, in yeah. my own house as well. Do you know, yeah. it's it's just everybody's busy. They're working. The kids are at football or whatever. So it's a case of, you know, grab and go or whatever. Yeah, grab yeah. and go. Or, and and if that's all you can imagine, um, manage, that's okay. But maybe try like a Sunday dinner in our house is is non-negotiable. Okay. Do you yes. Know, the rest of the week, kind of, you know, we come and go. Um, but definitely Sunday dinner is is non-negotiable. And you know, if there's a friend coming over for the afternoon, that's fine. She or he gets to sit and have dinner with us. Okay, but it it is definitely something that that's I find really important. Yeah, no, it um, is, and and like I even just think back to my own life and my own family, and that was something that always happened. And like you say, Sunday dinner was non-negotiable yeah. as well. What about the impact of technology? Like this is another area of concern. You know, we find kids even with screen time and and allotted screen time. You know, when we take devices away, there's meltdowns, mm. there's anger, there's lots of different kind of extreme emotions associated with this. Is that, again, a- another thing sort of that we need to be keeping an, an eye on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I will have kids coming in and it's usually the kind of tween age oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, OK. And they'll come into my playroom and there's absolutely no technology in my room. And it's like, where's the Xbox? <laughs> I don't have one. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. really, really annoyed about it because that's just the way of life. And I suppose there's two ways of looking at screens. It can be really, it's a really positive thing in many mm. ways and it helps us with lots of things, you know, keeping in touch with people and, and homework and research and all that. But on the other side of it, excessive screens have shown, there's, like there's research there, there was research done in 2012 and 2019, so pre-COVID. Right. It's called the My World Survey. Um, and between 2012 and 2019, they actually found the numbers of children with anxiety and depression had really increased, particularly in females. And this right. is before we ever had COVID. Okay. But what they said was, one of the, fa- the facts that they found was for those children and, and early teens that were on devices for more than three hours, actually, that actually contributed to those having anxiety or depression. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. So, kind of so it can only be tenfold now with with the uh, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, yeah. I don't see the top of my kid's head. It's in the phone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? This is what happens. Yeah. And I, and I and I think there's I suppose there's our role in that in terms of what are we role modeling? Mm-hmm. Do you know, like my my work, a lot of it is online. Yeah. Do you same. know? Yeah. On, on my phone, and I have to be really cautious of that. And you know, my work phone gets turned off at six o'clock, and that is it. Yeah. Um. You know, so I have to be really mindful of not answering emails and stuff in in, in front of them. But there's also, a, I suppose, a piece that we, you know, we can put the boundaries in early enough. Yeah. In terms of, you know, how much screen time they have. But even now, even if you got, if you have older kids, I suppose it's just a bit, the, for me, it's a bit the negotiation piece. Yeah. Like our Sundays, we've got a, a phone box and my kids still laugh, oh, the phone box again. The phone box sits at the kitchen door because it's it's just otherwise yeah. everybody's on the phone. There's no conversation happening. There's no social skills. There's no conflict resolution. Yeah. There's nothing happening. Oh, that's really good. We we introduced that oh, eons ago during Lent. And it was like just for Lent, by the way. And then, sure, of course, it went by the wayside. But I, yeah, it's a good one to bring back. And everyone's, including your own, yeah. has to go into this box for, for mealtimes, which is a great one. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good one to introduce to, to people. Um, so we're going to be looking at, you know, looking at the areas that we've outlined here in more detail. What are you hoping that parents listening might take away from the, the couple of weeks that we'll be doing on the show here? I would really like just to raise people's awareness in terms of the things that they can be doing at home. Do you know, we don't need to always have a professional involved. And like the most, the most important mental health intervention in the world is your relationship with your child. Do you know, so building on that, so we'll be giving tips and ideas over the next few weeks, even in terms of that, of the things that you can say, the things that you can do, how you respond as opposed to react at home. So just letting people know, you know, that there's lots of things that you can do. Certainly, there, w- there may be times that you need to reach out for help, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But it's about that awareness. There is supports out there, and there's free supports out there as well. It doesn't always have to be a financial financial barrier to you. Um, but also for parents to ask those questions and not to be afraid to ask questions when they do need supports. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and to connect with the people that are important. You know, schools. Yeah. Massive role. That's massive it. Role. And they are, they have an open door. Yeah. They want you to come and communicate with Absolutely. them and don't feel like that there's a barrier there. Absolutely. Uh, so as we say, we're going to be discussing this over the next couple of weeks. For now, though, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find more information about Melissa and what she does, myspaceplaytherapy.com is the website and she's also on social media as yeah. well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Millen Sinead. The 11 to 1 show. Hall Lodge RD Dua Lipa Dance the Night very interesting conversation there with Melissa Moore and um, we are going to be honing in next week on confidence self-esteem have you noticed that your son or daughter is struggling in that area regarding confidence are they not as confident or as outgoing as they once were were they always sort of somebody that had a sort of low self-esteem let us let us know if you have questions or anything we'd love to hear from you 086-1800-658 and Melissa is going to join us the same time again next week LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Bortgosh Energy replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes visit localheroes.ie The Castletown Road Post Office Dundalk requires a part-time post office assistant to apply please email your CV to postmaster.castletownroad at gmail.com 
PCI Pharma requires general operators to join their production team at their City North facility at Stamullen. Day and night shift are available. Please email careers-dub at pci.com. Don't forget all the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section on lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy for gas boilers, heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation. Visit localheroes.ie Goo Goo Dolls with Iris. Now I got an email this morning from Enfield Cultus and they are appealing to us to just make an announcement on this. One of their musicians, Paul Byrne, He suffered a traumatic brain injury from a fall in July. Now, thankfully, he is making a miraculous recovery. But the gang are holding a tribute night for Paul Byrne in the Hamlet Court Hotel, Johnstown Bridge, this Saturday, 14th of October, starting at 8pm. So it's a night packed with local music, song and dance from Enfield Cultus. Also, Skull Rinka E. Kernick is involved, the DGs and USB. And Paul is a very much loved local character who's been very active in the community over many years. So he's been very much involved, obviously, with the Cultus and with Enfield Development Group. Also, the Youth Club there as well and Clane and Kilcock Musical Society. So he's been involved in lots of different things. So there's going to be tributes on the night from all of those groups. Entry is €15 and includes tea and sandwiches as well, courtesy of the hotel. There's also going to be a monster raffle as well and a big session at the end of the night. So uh, all funds raised are going directly to Paul and the family to help recover some of the costs associated with his recovery. Tickets are going to be on Eventbrite as well, but also you can get tickets from Brian's Barbers, the the Midland Bar, PC Meats in Enfield, the Rusty Copper as well. Uh, Boggins Bar in Rathcore, Jack Quinn's Pub, Stoney's Bar and a couple of others and also the hotel, the Hamlet Court Hotel. That's happening Saturday 14th of October at 8pm. The 11 to 1 show with Gilmore. We were talking about angry cleaning earlier on and John has been on. He says the wife was angry one time and then he has in brackets always years ago and I heard about angry cleaning being a good way to de-stress. So I had a bright idea. I got her even more riled up. I thought she'd take her anger out on the cleaning. Big mistake on my behalf. She took her anger out on me and made me do all the cleaning. No surprise, I never riled her up again. Whenever I see she's in a mood, I head for the shed. Good idea, John. And yeah, just don't be riling her up. You're probably the source of all the, you know, annoyance there. You know, take a look at yourself, John. Take a look at yourself. Back to the music now. Here's Tin Lizzy. Tin Lizzy finishing out Mondays 11 to 1. Thank you so much to the guests and to you for your company. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll chat to you again tomorrow. Listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on lmfm.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 